Welcome to Hope Reclaimed. On this podcast, we talk about lasting healing from divorce, trauma, and loss through Jesus Christ, because healing and true redemption have already been extended by a good God. Sometimes he's inviting us to partner with him and receive that healing for ourselves. My name is Ellie Hope Collins, and I'm the host of this podcast, founder of HopeReclaimedMinistries.com, and a coach for individuals healing from divorce, trauma, and loss. In 2016, I discovered my ex-husband's long-term affair, and I was totally broken. Although I was desperate for a restored marriage, that's not what happened. But it wasn't until I chose to go back to every restaurant, listen to every song, and relive every memory that reminded me of my marriage and truly surrender everything to God that I really began to live a reclaimed life. And I'm now on a mission to help men and women just like you see true and lasting healing through Jesus. Whether you're experiencing the painful effects of divorce, grieving the death of a spouse, or beginning to accept the loss of a dream, you're in the right place. Complete healing and restoration is possible. Welcome to Hope Reclaimed. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the podcast. I'm glad that you're here. We're continuing our series on motherhood right now, and in this episode today, I am interviewing Lydia. Lydia is the mother to Owen, and she is sharing her story and Owen's story about stillbirth and loss and grief in the midst of that. Man, I have done this podcast for a long time, and I have never cried while editing an episode, and I cried several times while editing this episode. Lydia brings so much life and vulnerability into her story and her experience, sharing her birth story and sharing really what was helpful for her in her healing process. And ultimately here, she is honoring her son and his life. Lydia and her husband, Matt, have set up a fund in Owen's honor to support people who have experienced stillbirth as well, and particularly in the areas of growing their marriage. If you'd like more information about the Owen Fund, you can reach out to me and I will point to you in the right direction. But let's just dive into this episode with Lydia. Hey there, Lydia. Welcome to Hope Reclaimed. I'm so happy to have you here. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. It is my pleasure. I am just thrilled that you're here, willing to share your story, willing to share the um, just the highs and the lows of what you've been through in the last year. But before we get into that, I would love for you to just share a little bit about who you are, where you live, what fills your days, that kind of thing. So my uh, listeners can get to know you a little bit. Well, my name is Lydia. I live in Minneapolis um, with my husband. Uh, We have a house in South and I am also a music therapist. So I uh, work primarily in hospice with older adults. And then I also work with some kiddos. Um, I've worked there since college. So almost five years now. That's awesome. Like a long time. It has felt like I've worked there for even longer. Um, yeah, but yeah, it's the best job ever. That's so fun. I I'm, I'm excited to even get into later in this conversation, hopefully, um, about how music therapy has even just helped, helped you in your own healing process. So maybe we're getting, we're getting a little bit of head, but I would love to hear, and I would love for you to share, um, with my listeners, your story and, um, and the healing that you found in the Lord. Let's see timeline wise in May. Yeah. May, 2020. Um, my husband and I were on a walk and I feel like this is kind of where the story starts, but we were on a walk and we were just chatting about life and about the future. And we just felt like it was time to 
can start to grow our family and mm-hmm. kind of had, you know, had had these boxes without wanted to check off before we were growing our family, which yeah, it's not necessarily the right way to do it, but we had felt like the Lord had blessed us with these things that we had asked for and that there really wasn't, you know, any other thing that we felt like we needed, um, in order to grow our family. And yeah, there was no, no good reason to not, I guess, is kind of the, what we had come up with. So (laughs) we were like, okay, let's do it. So we became pregnant shortly thereafter, um, which was really exciting and was, you know, now kind of after losing the naivety that I did surrounding like birth, um, and fertility and all of that, I just realized, well, even what a blessing that was, you know, yeah. we got pregnant in our, in our first try. Um, and yeah, so that's I not just, everyone else's story. Right? right. Right. And I just feel like that's important to recognize too, you know, and that was a blessing. So everything with the pregnancy went really well. I was super, super sick in the first trimester, which was always like a, what's the word? It was kind of just a weird contradiction because I felt so sick, but you know, everyone was assuring me that that meant the baby was really healthy. Um, Right. Which, yeah, just kind of people say that, like, I think they're trying to just, you know, helping you justify it or something, which of course make you feel better in your nausea. Yeah. Yeah really, really sick, but then started getting better in the second trimester. And, um, my favorite was probably the third trimester because, and especially again, like looking back now, I felt like I got to know Owen so much better in the third trimester because like I felt him more and, um, yeah, he had hiccups a lot and I just felt like I got to know his personality. Everything with the pregnancy went well. Um, The only thing that was a question was that he was measuring small. So then they were taking extra precautions with that. We did um, extra ultrasound and like checked the blood flow from the placenta Mm -hmm. and did the, I'm forgetting the name of it right now, but it's where they are tracking his heartbeat when he's like in, it's like a non-stress test or something. Exactly. An ST. Yep. So I did those, um, and everything was looking good and healthy. I, I remember feeling like anxiety in the last couple of days. I was feeling like just anxious for him to come. Mm-hmm. And I don't, again, like looking back, I don't know what that was or if that had to do with what was to come. But on my due date, so that was March 22nd, I had been having like Braxton Hicks the night before. And then I woke up and um was still having them but they weren't painful and they were very sporadic um like nothing consistent so I was just going about like doing some household chores um I remember like wanting to take my nail polish off because it was like chipped and I didn't want to I just had the thought of if I'm giving birth today for some reason I want I need really nail nice nails <laughs> yeah yeah that's very important And so I think around, I was letting my husband sleep because I had listened to Mm -hmm. copious amounts of birth podcasts. And that was always what they said. I'm like, if you're awake, let your partner sleep because who knows how long labor is going to be. And you both need your energy. Um, So I think he woke up around nine and then I was just telling him, okay, I've been tracking these pretty inconsistent, but like, let's start 
let's start actually tracking them. But it was looking like there was starting to be a pattern. So we called my midwife and she, you know, made a comment of that. Wow. Like your baby's going to be born on his due date. How amazing is that? And just said, you know, this is your first baby. I think you have a long way to go. So like, Mm -hmm. and it doesn't sound like you're in pain, you know, because I was talking to her on the phone, like as I was having contractions. So she's like, you know, call me when you can't talk through a contraction. (laughs) Um, Like, okay. And then I called my friend Shelby, who was my doula and told her to come over. So she came over and brought coffee and, um, I was just laboring at home and it was like so special, just like such a sacred time. Mm -hmm. I hate to say this. I'm sure moms everywhere who are listening to this are going to like shake their head, but it was not as painful as I thought it was going to be. Like it was labor was, it just wasn't as painful. It was just felt more of a tightening. I don't know if, yeah, I don't know if that's just this particular birth, um, or just the way that my body handles pain, but I was able to handle the contractions pretty well and just kind of count through them. And that's great. Um, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was a blessing, but around noon, the contractions were getting closer together. And my doula Shelby, she said like, I, I know that you're talking through these contractions still, because I was like counting mm-hmm. through the contractions. They realized like they would be their most painful at 30 seconds. And then after yes. this, they would get, yeah, it would get easier. So she's like, I know you're counting and you're, and you're talking through these contractions, but I think that's because this is your way to cope through them. I don't mm-hmm. think that's because they're like not painful. So I think you should call the midwife and say, you want to come in. Um, and that, was a huge blessing. Um, as the timeline goes on, you'll realize why, but so I called the midwife and just told her they were getting closer together, um, and becoming more painful. And she was like, okay, I'll meet you there in like 40 minutes or something like that. Yeah. did a few more contractions, contractions at the house and then left and did contractions in the car, which are, which is, as terrible they really are and it was only a 10 minute drive for us so like oh my gosh anyone (laughs) that's doing like half an hour an hour to their birth center or their hospital wow it's it's a it's a different experience it's not good good. (laughs) different that's a good word for it so things were moving like a lot faster than I was kind of realizing so then we got to the birth center we got into a room and I was laboring over the bed and the midwife was trying to find Owen's heartbeat. Um, and she wasn't finding it, which like, I don't know in that moment if I was scared or not, but I, I think I remember thinking it was weird because every time they had put the Doppler mm-hmm. on my stomach in appointments previously, like they could hear his heartbeat right away. And they would always give me a warning, like, don't get afraid if you don't hear it right away. But every time, like as soon as the jelly hit my stomach, we would hear this really strong heartbeat. Um, but we weren't hearing that. So then she was like, okay, you know, work through this contraction and then lay, lay on your back. Cause this is a weird angle for me to try to get it. Um, so then I did that and um, she still wasn't finding it. And I think yeah, I started to get nervous then. Um, but she just reassured me. She's like, don't get nervous. Um, or like, don't, you know, 
I'll tell you when to get nervous or something along those lines. So then we went upstairs to the ultrasound room um, and they ran an ultrasound and, and I'm not sure if they, because it was a birth center, it wasn't a hospital. I don't know if there's some sort of rule or law that you can't like proclaim a death unless you're at a hospital. Um, but I'm, but I know like the midwives saw what had happened. I think they had seen that he had passed in that moment, but they, but they didn't say that they just said like, we're not finding her We need to get you to the hospital right away. So then we drove to the hospital because it was right across the street. Um, and I remember like my husband couldn't find his shoes and for some reason that made me really sad. Um, but we drove to the hospital and he dropped us off and I went in with the midwife and they took me right up to labor and delivery. And it was just praying in the elevator, like, please God, please God. Um, that's all that I could say. And, um, we got into the ultrasound room and I don't even remember like the ultrasound or like even like feeling it on my stomach or anything like that. But I just remember this doctor's eyes and she just said, you know, we're finding the same thing they found at the birth center. And I said, what does that mean? Does that mean that he died? And they said, yes. And, um, and my husband came in the room cause he hadn't got there yet. And I had to tell him and yeah, it was our worst nightmare. And I, I honestly, something that I had never even imagined. I did that that thought had never crossed my mind that that would be our story ever. And so then they said, you know, okay, well, you still, you know, there's that moment that you realize I still have to give birth to this baby. So they, yeah, all the nurses and the midwife and the doctor just kind of surrounded me and they just assured me like, no one knows what to do right now. You know, like no one knows how to handle this. I said, I remember saying like, well, I want to have an epidural then, you know, because I don't want to mm -hmm. feel any more pain. So the midwife's like, okay, I'll just check you and then we'll go and get your epidural. And she checked me and she said, okay, you're 10 centimeters dilated. So the next time you feel like you need to push, you push. And there's not going to be time for an epidural, yeah. wow. which again, now looking back, I'm so, so grateful for because like, I'm so glad I got to be so present. Um, yeah. It was only like 20 minutes of pushing and he was born. And so I'm just so glad I was able to like feel everything actually <laughs> looking back. Um, that was a blessing. So yeah, he was born at 144. You know, going back to the timeline, it was only like maybe four hours or so of active labor, which he was my first baby. That's how I was hoping before all of this happened. I was hoping for just a fast labor. It was like the most ideal labor with the worst ending. Anyway, so he was born and I was feeling like really scared to see him. I remember asking my husband, like, what does he look like? What does he look like? Mm -hmm. And then they just put him on my chest and all the fear went away, you know, because it was just like, oh, it's just my perfect baby. I just fell in love. And then we got to spend 24 hours with him um, in the hospital. The nurses were amazing and they let my mom come. My sister and my brother came. Um, 
Matt's parents came. So like they definitely wow. pulled some sort of strings because all the COVID restrictions. Oh were my goodness. Happening. Wow. Praise the Lord. Yeah. That, that, that they, they, they gave you that freedom because my goodness, you just need, you need your mom in a moment yeah. like that. And you know, you need a, your support system. Yeah. And just for other people to get to meet him and to yeah. hold him, you know, there was definitely moments like afterwards that it felt so unreal, you know, like, did that actually happen? So to have had all those people yeah. that I love to be able to have held him and like gushed yeah. over how cute he was. And, you know, we have those memories together, um, was so, so special. So even just spending time with him too, and I got to spend the night, yeah. and I just like, had him right next to me. Um, and I don't really, like, I don't think I slept more than probably like two or three hours that night. Cause I was just couldn't stop looking at him. Yeah. And I'll always, always remember that the next morning, like all the family came back and, um, and then said their goodbyes. And then Matthew and I had time to just say goodbye ourselves and we just like laid in the bed and held Owen and like I felt so happy Mm -hmm. and and so devastated at the same time um that was my family you know yeah yeah we sang a few songs to him and um cried obviously yeah Matthew went to um get the car and then I had time to meet him which was also really special and then laid him in the arms of a nurse kissed him and touched his nose and then said goodbye I'm so sorry for what you've gone through Lydia I love how you said that you were so happy in that moment of being with him yeah and so tragically sad you know, in the middle, I have not experienced this kind of pain that you've experienced. It's so interesting to me that's that so often tragedy and tragedy is is also woven with joy. Even even in that process of coming home without your baby, what did it look like to also find the joy in the middle of the tragedy? That's kind of life after loss regardless of what the loss is, like you've experienced the lowest of lows. Um, but somehow that's made a way for you to experience like higher highs. I think mm-hmm. holding both of those things is just kind of our life right now. Um, you know, being, having space to feel so sad, um, but also feeling so thankful for what we do have. Um, that's just the balancing act that I feel you walk after loss and, mm. and that's a kind of grief in a way. Yeah. Coming home was devastating too. And so hard. Um, yeah. I had like, my husband went in before me and just put all the baby stuff away and shut the nursery door. Um, And yeah, I think it was really hard to find joy, um, for a while after that, but I, I 
I found solace in like things that not necessarily felt joyful, but just felt good. So like mm. being with my family felt really good. And my, my mom and my sister lived with us for basically like a month after it happened. And what a gift that is. Yeah. <laughs> what a gift yeah. that is. Yeah. They were amazing and coloring for some reason (laughs) like because my brain could only handle so much stimulation so just like being able to color a mandala or whatever playing cards Mm -hmm. um doing puzzles so you just kind of start to find those things that feel not like oh this is the best time ever because I don't think you no I don't think that's reasonable for the time right after but Mm -hmm. just like this feels this feels okay or this feels good mm. right now um and in talking about him too like you mm. said like having that birth experience affirmed was really important and and i found like no one asks about your birth story when the birth ends in a death like wow and th- and that was hard for me because i did just give birth you know and like wow. i did that thing that i had never done before and yeah it was my friend um, who was a labor and delivery nurse. I had like sent her some photos and she was the first one to affirm like, Lydia, you did that. Like you birthed this beautiful baby and it looks like you didn't use any, you know, like you did it naturally, which yeah. she knew had been a goal for me. And like, just that was so, um, that was so meaningful to me because yeah no one obviously no one was asking about it no one was mm-hmm. you know and I get I get wow. why they weren't but right. at the same time it didn't take the desire away from me to yeah to like you know talk about it or say yeah like, oh, I, I did that right I think that's so I just as you're saying that um I'm remembering a conversation that I had with somebody a couple of years ago who experienced a stillbirth mm-hmm. and Um, and she lost her daughter and she said that, that no one ever congratulated her. And initially when I heard that, I thought, well, okay, so maybe that's what she needed to be congrat or, you know, she wanted to be congratulated. And then, you know, would that be offensive to somebody to say congratulations when actually now they actually don't have their child in in their arms but I think that's so, I mean, that specifically around labor and delivery, because it is a feat yep. to experience yeah. this, this beautiful thing that, that God designed to be yeah. able to birth our children. I had a, I had a, an emergent emergency C-section and that was a beautiful experience too. And, mm-hmm. you know, just to have this wild experience to be congratulated for that, or to be able to share the story wow, that's, I, I hadn't really thought of it like that before. Yeah. 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 It's hard for people. And again, like I totally understand that. I think that we just need to expand our perspective or just mm-hmm. like not necessarily put people's stories in boxes mm-hmm. and just say like, not assume, I guess, like don't right. make assumptions of, oh, because this was a traumatic birth or because this was a stillbirth or or whatever, like this person definitely doesn't want to talk about it. But I guess just to ask those questions of like, mm-hmm. hey, like, do you want to talk about this? Um, and then they have the freedom to say, 
no or yes, you know? Yeah. And to not be offended in what you hear and as a response. (laughs) Right. Right. Put yourself out there as a friend, as that loves that person, like say, I'm willing to put myself out there and, and be vulnerable and ask this question that I is uncomfortable. And I'm not sure what the answer is going to be, because I think that's, that's going to be loving to you. And then that person that's going through that grief and going through that loss can say yes or no, instead of Mm. just assuming the answer for them. Yeah. So this is, this is great because here we're talking about some things like what was helpful for you in hearing in, in, in healing and processing this grief. Um, so I w I would love to talk a little bit more about that in, in kind of those terms you, you heard, or what, what you had wanted in that time was to be validated in your, in your birth birth story. Um, what were some other ways that people around you were supportive of you, um, that, that may be a good resource idea for, for other people who are seeing individuals walk through, um, walk through this level of tragedy. Again, just people being there, like just showing up. Um, I think that's a huge thing that you can do for someone. And again, okay. Yeah. I should say this, that this was helpful for me. So this isn't going to be helpful for everybody. Um, This was, this was my story and my situation. And so, you know, if people are listening and have had friends that have gone through this or are going through this and are, are searching for ways to support them, like I would go back to that, what I had just said, asking those questions. Yeah. Like, and, and also offering specific to like, um, I, you know, when people say I'm here for you, like, let me know anything that you need. That's super nice, but that's also was really overwhelming to me. Like I needed more specifics because when you're going through a loss like that, your brain is functioning at a capacity that's much lower than normal. So you need like, like what was helpful for me is like, I can do, you know, I can bring a meal over or I can bring a freezer meal or I can get you like a gift card, you know, pick from those things. Or I just think as specific as possible is really helpful. Yeah. Um, and just people that would show up and would just sit with me on the couch and cry, you know, my, Mm -hmm. my really, really close girlfriends did that. Um, just taking that initiative. There's a friend that I have who at Owen's funeral, like, um, after the funeral, we had a processional for people to come and it was like, there was this weird moment where like Matthew and I were standing there. And then there was just this sea of people like waiting to give us hugs, but like no one was coming forward. Mm. And I will never forget the friend that like broke that barrier and just like came up to me and gave me a huge hug. So I can just picture that right now. I can just picture that. Yes. Wow. I'll never forget that. So it's just that initiative and just like, I don't need people to have eloquent words. I don't need them to say the perfect thing. I just like, I just needed them to be there and to be present with me. Yeah. To also, yeah. Just ask those questions or be quiet when, Mm -hmm. when silence was needed, um, but to just be there. I think there's so much power in that. Um, man, I think I uh, thank you for saying all of that. I think it's yeah. so powerful to, and what I'm hearing you say is just 
just show up and, and, you know, use some tact (laughs) of like, you know, knowing when to leave too. Like sometimes, you know, you don't, don't stay all day. Don't, don't don't say, Oh, let's, uh, let's crack open that food that I just made you like, don't eat, you know, don't just make assumptions that you're just going (laughs) to camp out there. Um, unless maybe your mom or sister, (laughs) but, um, but what I, I just love what you're saying is just, just show up, just come and give the hug. Mm-hmm. And, and it sounds like trust that if that person doesn't need that, or if that's not what, what is available, that they'll say so. Yeah. And, um, to, yeah, to break that barrier. I love yeah. that visual of mm-hmm. all those people there just kind of waiting, like, should we go hug yeah. them? Like, yeah. because death is awkward. Yeah. People don't know what to say. They don't know how to be, and it shouldn't be. It shouldn't be an awkward thing. Right. The way that we deal with it is death in and of itself, like is an awful, painful reality of living this side of eternity, but it is a part of our reality. Yeah. I think that knowing that then we should be a little bit better or just, I don't know, Mm. strive to um, recognize it as a part of living you know death and loss and grief and suffering are promised to us Mm. as christians in the bible you know that's a that's a certainty that we have for this life so i think spending a little little time exploring that or, or knowing how to talk about it or knowing how to sit with people in that is a really valuable practice um Mm. for christians or not you know yeah everyone everyone goes through that I, and, and I even remember too, like just another example there was, I was also in a mom's group, you know, leading up um, to Owen's birth and we were in a texting group. And so people were starting to text pictures of their babies being born, mm-hmm. you know? And so then I left the group and one of the moms in that group, like found like she just kind of that was weird to her and so she did like found me on social media and found out what happened and ended up like donating to this fund that we created for Mm -hmm. Owen and like reached out to me and um again like didn't have she didn't have the perfect thing to say but she just went out of her way to like say, Mm -hmm. hey I saw that this happened and I'm so sorry in that meant so much to me and like Mm -hmm. I'll probably never see her again um but yeah I guess if anyone's like feeling like oh I don't I don't know what to do um don't let that paralyze you to not do anything yeah do something yes 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 (laughs) yeah I, I shouldn't say that death is awkward knowing how to respond to death can be awkward <laughs> yes totally. and totally. man just to be just to be that kind of friend that kind of steps in and says i don't know i don't know you but i'm sorry and and um that that's just so beautiful um how did your the tools that you have from being a music therapist mm-hmm. how did that help and support your your own healing process Yeah, I think that came into play afterwards um, because I work in hospice. Um, 
so I've done, you know, research on grief and I'm, I'm very familiar with Mm -hmm. death and with loss and as it relates to my clients and my client families. And Um, that's, that's in the preparation for death, right? I mean, a lot of times in what you're, what you're going through. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes in the afterwards, if I would follow them, like, you know, to the Mm -hmm. funeral or something like that, mostly in the preparation and in the during, you know, of the dying process. Um, So I think I had a deeper understanding of grief and an allowing space for people to grieve that it allowed me to allow myself to grieve Mm -hmm. well if Mm -hmm. that's the right word to use, um, or to understand that I would have to grieve and that also grieving is not, uh, like one and done kind of thing, but that we will be grieving Owen for the rest of our lives. And I pretty much understood that from the outset. And so I, I do think that has helped us like honor that you know, I, um, took my maternity leave, my boss Mm -hmm. still let me take my maternity leave, which was a huge blessing. And I spent those three months, like just being so open to the grief and really like just sitting on my couch every day and just letting what, what came, you know, Mm -hmm. letting it happen. And I guess, and just being open to days of just crying and going through his things and eventually opening the nursery door and like mm-hmm. looking at clothes. And I, I just am so, so thankful that I took that time mm-hmm. to grieve and honor his life. And again, like, that's not, that's not to say that I, you know, after those three months that I was done grieving, of course not, yeah. I'm even just hearing how emotional I'm getting saying this story. It's like that the grief is still so fresh and, and it will be a lifelong grieving journey. And I feel like having that understanding, and I think a lot of that has to do with my job, has been really helpful in us moving forward. Mm-hmm. As a, a line Nora McCurney has, it's mm-hmm. like you don't move on from that person, mm-hmm. like you move forward with them and, mm-hmm. and you move forward with that loss that now has shaped you and changed your life just Mm -hmm. as like a birth would change your life. Yeah. No kidding. Also does. So how do you do that right now? How do you hold the, um, the memory of Owen on how do you, how do you carry him through your life now moving forward? So we did a lot of things kind of right away. Well, we, you know, even just, even just, um, staying in the hospital with him, and mm-hmm. I, I hope that no one, you know, listening to this ever goes through what we did, but if they do, I would like encourage every mom to stay in, stay in the hospital for those 24 hours. Um, if you can, or if you feel like that would be helpful for you, mm-hmm. I think that was a huge, huge part of our grieving process to be able to have that time with him. And again, like that can be an awkward thing. I think even when my mom came and saw me holding my baby who had died, she was a little weirded out or just felt like, is this okay? Is this normal? You know, like, but the nurses had just reassured her, like, this is so good. Like 
yes. this is what yes. she needs to do right now yes. um, and taking pictures of him which now are like the most valuable thing we have you know yeah um, so that was huge and then as far as just honoring him um you know we had a funeral and a burial service um we ended up starting a fund because there we just found like a lot of people were wanting to do something and to mm. be generous and so my husband and I started the Owen fund which is a fund that helps um people that have gone through loss specifically mm. surrounding strengthening their marriage because we saw how easy it could be to um grow apart wow. in that time after losing a child yes. and, and thankfully like we grew together um so yeah we we started that in his name and in his honor um my sister wrote a book about mm-hmm. his life my memories with mom and dad which has been so healing to have yeah just talking about him you know like we don't ever mm-hmm. ever shy away from saying his name and remembering him and talking about how he was and his personality that he had that we had discovered in that mm-hmm. you know throughout the pregnancy but specifically in that third trimester and we talk about how he's in heaven and um just we see him yeah. in little things of you know like rainbows and yeah. um in the sound of wind chimes and you know, there's so many things that remind us of him and, and we we recognize those and like he's definitely a household name and he will yes. always be you know yeah. as lord willing we continue to grow our family like our our future kids will know about owen and we'll yeah. talk about him and like and we'll get to see him one day so yeah that's so beautiful it's so important to to have that validated again you know, to have the experience validated and not just the experience, but him having Owen validated as a person. And he lived and he was, he changed you. And, um, so in light of that, what has motherhood been for you? What is it? What is it like to be a mother now? That's a good question. It's hard. It's hard for me to answer because there was, yeah, there's definitely a time and there's still times where I don't feel like a mom, mm-hmm. you know, I can imagine. And yeah. Yeah. And everything that would, you know, the practical things that would make you feel like a mom foremost being having your child with you here. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have, um, so it's hard to, yeah, just feel like I am a mom. Um, especially since Owen was our firstborn mm-hmm. and that has been hard, but I think that has also been a gift that he was our firstborn, that I didn't have any distractions. You know, I didn't have yeah. any other kids that I had to take care of or that needed my attention. Mm-hmm. I could really just totally focus on grieving him and remembering him. And I, and I think that will benefit or just honor my future kids too that, yeah. that, I, that I took the time to do that heavy grief work now and and yeah all the things that I mentioned you know just remembering him talking about him honoring him I think that's what we do as moms you know like we love talking about our kids and we yeah. love celebrating their lives and um we love honoring them and their name and that's what I'm doing it looks mm. a lot different than most moms 
but I'm doing it in the way that is our story and and the only way that I know how, you know? So I think just not being afraid to talk about him and his memory is, is a way that it's probably the biggest way that I feel like a mom. I think that's a beautiful answer. Thank you for sharing that. I really do. I mean, love what you said that we love talking about our kids as moms and you, you have a son and his name's Owen and you love to talk about how you felt his hiccups in the third trimester and, and how you discovered his little, you know, maybe little personality as he was moving around in utero and, um, and all of, all of those experiences. That's so, that's just so incredibly beautiful. Lydia, I'm so grateful for, um, for your perspective. Was there anything that you want to share that we didn't quite cover? Well, even, um, even what you just mentioned of like feeling him in utero. And I think that sometimes moms that have experienced loss, whether it's miscarriage or stillbirth or infant loss, like if the baby hasn't been born yet, they feel like they can't grieve them or they feel Mm -hmm. like they don't know if their life was valid. And I just want to say that it was, and it is. And like, even with, um, attachment, you know, attachments begins from a scientific standpoint at, I believe it's, um, 28 weeks. It might Mm -hmm. even be earlier in utero. Um, so that attachment between mom and baby, you know, obviously on a physical level starts right away, but even on an emotional and mental awareness level, um, is starting. And, and so I remember learning that after Owen had passed and feeling really validated, just how much of a loss it had felt like, yeah, I was, I was attached to him, you know, physically and emotionally. Yeah. I just want to encourage moms that like, and, and whether their baby was, you know, three weeks old or 40 weeks old, um, it's okay to remember them and, and to feel a loss because it is, um, it doesn't need to look a certain way, you know, for, for you to, for your grief to be validated. Amen. That's so, that's so important. And, um, in a podcast episode that will soon be out after this one, um, I I'm interviewing your sister about the book that she wrote and, um, and in that the, the book that she wrote is all about Owen's memories. Um, that that's what the book is called. My memories with mom and dad, that he actually does have memories and he, um, has those shared experiences with you and, and your husband, because, you do, (laughs) you have, you know, this, this little boy has memories with you and, um, and felt you and felt that attachment. I just, I love that you specifically pointed that out. Mm -hmm. It is, um, you know, it's a valid experience and it's something that, um, that does need to be grieved, even just even infertility in the loss of a dream of a child, um, where whatever it should not be, you know, Um, discredited as something that because you didn't have some experience loss is loss is loss and it deserves to be grieved and 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 held and you know given to the hands of Jesus to to be healed that's what the Lord is just 
wanting to do to extend that healing. Um, so I'm, I'm so grateful for your experience here, your, your willingness to share your story, own story, and, um, and just the vulnerability that you brought with this story, Lydia. So grateful for that. Thank you, Ali. Thanks for being here, everyone. Just a reminder that the Owen Fund was set up as a place to remember and honor Owen. It's a fund designed to give support and encouragement to families who've experienced stillbirth and loss, particularly in the areas of strengthening marriages. So if you would like more information about that or are looking for some help and um, encouragement from that fund as well, you can reach out to me and I can point you in the right direction. Remember, there is healing and redemption in Jesus and there's always hope. We'll see you next week.